Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence, and I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who are breaking through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today, our topic is Queen of Stunts. Our special guest has doubled for over 50 of Hollywood's top-tiered actresses, such as Halle Berry, Angela Bassett, Alfre Woodard, and Miss Regina Hall. Death-defying free falls, mind-blowing fire gags, action-packed car chases, and breathtaking fight sequences are all in a day's work for this young lady. She is also the first black female stunt coordinator to head up a big-budget film for HBO, Dorothy Dandridge. Without any further ado, our special guest, LaFay Baker. Hi, LaFay. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Okay, so we got you. Okay, this is great. You know, I'm so glad that you're here with us today, LaFay. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Well, thank you for allowing me to be on the show. I'm ecstatic and elated to, you know, be here to share my story and help you um, tell it. Oh, great, great. So let's jump right in here. Let's talk about what was it like for you growing up? Well, I grew up in a middle-class environment, although my parents decided to stay in South Central. My mom was an educator, and my dad was an entrepreneur, real estate. So we kind of like stayed over in, they call it South Central now, but it was just called L.A., and um, just kind of like, purchased property while everyone moved over to to Baldwin Hills and Ladera Heights. So I kind of like staying in that area. However, um, my parents, like I said, they were the type of individuals who want to make sure their kids had the best. I do come from a only child background, but my did I had a cousin who lived with us from three to thir- three to seventeen for the most part. And my parents eventually adopted her at twenty five or something of that nature. Oh, okay. Did you ever want other siblings? Never thought about it. Um, now that both of my parents have crossed over, it's very challenging for me. Okay. Considering that I have a lot of responsibility and it's very hard to maneuver all the things that I'm doing in my life. And then that, I mean, I'm very grateful for what they have established for the most part. But yeah, it's, it's interesting now that I don't have anybody. I'm kind of like all alone at this point. Oh, I get that. I come from a large family, so I understand that. And when I talk to, you know, people that are, um, come from, you know, just themselves growing up with their parents, I always ask that question, you know, were they ever lonely? Did they ever want other siblings? And, and they share with me pretty much what you just shared with me. So I, I totally appreciate that. You know, I think, I think with me, I was so active with the ADHD that my mother kept me in so much, I never really paid attention to it. Okay. Um, I just never, I was always gone, never at home, just moving. Uh, my adopted sister, she stayed at home for the most part. But for me, I was always on the go. Well, it looks like you were on the go looking at everything that you've done. And I'm excited to tell our audience all of it too. Mm. LeFay is a very interesting name. Where did that come from? I have no idea. My mother just came up with the name LaFay, I guess. <laughs> She's never explained to me that. I, just, I think back in the day, they called people Faye. Okay. And she just added love in front of us. It made it sound French and sexy. Yeah. 
<laughs> it does sound. When I heard it, I went, wow, that's a really interesting name. First time I ever come across, uh, you know, this name, La Faye. And like you said, yes, you do come across Faye um, many, many times. And that's pretty pretty much a normal name. But La Faye, I thought it was really cute. So, yeah, French and sexy is a good way of, you know, <laughs> describing it, too. Mm-hmm. So what was it like for you growing up? In a real with a real estate background from your family, did you ever think about going into real estate? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cut and dry. No. <laughs> well, because my father didn't have any uh, no sons, any sons, so that means that I had to clean up the grass from one end of the property to another and do all the manly stuff. And no, I did not like it. And plus, <laughs> I saw all the maintenance that he had to do. He did it himself, and that's not something that. I ever wanted to do, okay. which now I find myself doing it along with the property manager. So yeah, it's, it's just very interesting that I never thought about doing it. Um, but I do understand real estate at this point, how that's a, a way of wealth, easy wealth, actually, once you attain it, or obtain it. Yes, it is definitely a way of creating generational wealth and, um, investing is one way to go after it too. Um, I, as you know, I'm in real estate and I, I actually like it. I like it a lot. I mean, I've done really well in it and I've had several careers in my life, which of course this is one of them. And I, I'm just adventurous in that manner. So I, I get what you're saying about real estate. It's not an easy um, business, but if you're smart and you're diligent and um, you show up, you can do well. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> I think it's patience that is required because I have so many things going on. It's like you got to find other people to take and manage certain things. Cause I just don't have the time for it, but I do love the income that is generated. <laughs> of course, of course. Anytime those dollars are coming in like that, we all love them. Yes. Yes. I guess I definitely get that. I love my paycheck at the end of the transactions, I should say. So tell me about, um, you breaking the Guinness Book of World Records by twirling 58 hula hoops at one time at the age of 12. Girl, I couldn't even hula hoop one. <laughs> I couldn't even get through one. So how did you do that? Well, actually, I was a national hula hoop champion. So it kind of like stemmed around that, um, being a champion from Los Angeles and California and like um, competing with the nation. Okay, And that's pretty much what had happened. And over a period of time, they... I started representing WAMO and started doing various talk shows. And actually, that's how I got bit by the bug for entertainment. Okay. By doing the talk shows and traveling with WAMO to promote the, the National Hula Hoop Contest. And then one year, I guess, I'm dating myself, but okay, David Frost was doing something and, <laughs> and contacted me about actually um, coming on, you know, doing the Guinness Book of World Records. So one thing led to another, and that's kind of like how it started. However, 58 is not that many now because we do have people who've done or uh, broke the record of um, toilet like 100. Oh it's not like God. they call you to come back and defend your title. It's almost like you're somewhere and you're hula hooping. That's kind of like how it transpired since the time um, David Frost was on. I can't even imagine putting five hula hoops around my waist and I was thinking about it you know last evening I went 58 hula hoops I know what it's like to like carry one and like keep the motion going but 58 I said my goodness this girl must have been amazing so and now you're telling me somebody did you know was able to do a hundred that 
that's some talent there. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's the the situation is that they are stacked on top of each other. So you step inside of them and then you lift them up and you twirl them around. So it's how long it goes around. I can just go around three times and you broke the record. Oh, okay. It's like that. But still, they're very heavy. Me trying to do 58 now, <laughs> I don't know if I have the strength, but <laughs> it would be amazing for somebody old as I am to try to break a Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> 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 it's <not> funny. <laughs> Yeah, but 58, I mean, like I said, I, I hula hooped when I was a kid and I could only do one and it probably got it halfway around before it fell. So oh, it's amazing. It's, <laughs> we do, there's a lot of tricks that people never even thought of. I'm <laughs> sure. Have, it's like tricks. But anyways, yes, experience working for Brownwell, excuse me, while I'm on traveling. It was definitely a, a life changing experience growing up. And what was Wamo? Well, you know, Frisbee and wow, the Hulu, the, the makers. Oh, okay. Okay, Whammo. Oh, right. girl, you're dating me. I can't even, I couldn't even remember until you brought it back to me. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what did you do before breaking into the business of Hollywood? Mm, at 12, I always was interested in entertainment. And I think my mother tried to get me into acting, but for some reason, I just... I was a shy person. I really wasn't into the acting like that. And then I ice skated. So I kind of like started competing with that. And then I tried out for the ice capades and they weren't really paying that much money. So my mother was like, no, you are going to college. That's the wrap. That didn't happen. So she snatched me out of ice skating (laughs) quickly because that was quite expensive. Yes, of course. I kind of like worked as a probation officer after I finished college um, because that was the only job that I could... um, attain and then I also worked as a educator teaching school for a couple of years my mom was an educator but I made a commitment I never wanted to be an educator because I was tired of reading her papers <laughs> but you know one thing led to another I think that's when I, as soon as I graduated from college I ended up doing that but I didn't like it so then I started working as a probation officer and I was there for many many years until I recently resigned to pursue um, my entertainment career 100% um, I've been truly blessed because uh, when I was working for probation, what was, worked, like, what was that like working as a probation officer? Well, I worked in a boys camp. So I worked in boys camp for like 20 years. And basically it, to me, it was like me actually directing and guiding young men in camp, not like probation. Cause it was like, they sent them in a camp environment where they go to school, they have a recreation field, you discipline, you teach. I mean, it was that type of environment. So to me, I used to always tell people they pay me to play, but I'm still teaching and educating and using myself as a role model that they can get themselves out of the situation. But I really didn't work in the field as much as a lot of people. And once you get in the field, it's a little bit more intense in dealing with the, um, the individuals who are on probation. But I decided to, you know, really get out because of the system and where the direction in which the probation department was you know, actually going. And I didn't think it was beneficial or, in my best interest to remain in a probation department. Whereas to me, the kids now have all the rights and there's no, um, no, nothing for the, the people, employees who are working there, you know, any type of safety. Okay. Did you feel like you were able to touch some of the lives of these young men and help them along the way? Of course, you know, just me being at work in the entertainment, they seem to be captivated by that. I, I felt that I, touched a lot of lives. I had one little boy say to me that I was really strict, but he appreciated me helping him because he needed some direction. So 
those are kind of things that you receive or sometimes they will write letters to you when you're there so you're just explaining you know how they appreciate you oh that's great because it's always nice to you know give back and and help one I mean I know you can't help everyone you know but you know what they say you save one you save the world so that's amazing I'm sure um that young man looks at you and and strive for better in his life I hope I would hope that would um, well, his case. Is, all you can do is direct and hope that they pick up some information. If they learn one thing while they're there, that's really great because they come from so many dysfunctional families and it's very hard to redirect the mind a lot of times. This is true. This is true. So tell me, how did you get interested in becoming a stunt woman? Well, my background, believe it or not, in high school and college was gymnastics. So I excelled in those areas, I was voted most athletically inclined in, in high school. I attended Crenshaw High. Um, I went there during the summer before 10th grade, and the coach liked me. She wanted to become 10 there, so I went there when I probably should have went to another school, but I ended up being at Crenshaw and really doing well in the gymnastics team. And then I um, went to Long Beach State to compete on their gymnastics team, and from that um, my experience kind of led me into the stunt and entertainment world for the most part. It's almost like it was already planned because I was really athletically inclined, you know, really like a tomboy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Wait a minute, until I became a cheerleader, then I kind of like changed some of the dynamics behind it. Okay. But, and then gymnastics. So I my focus became more so in gymnastics um, in high school and in college and I just have to be, you know, uh, what do you call it? Body awareness. I kind of like had body awareness. I knew about that from being a gymnast. And then one day I was working in probation. My whole career from stunts actually started in probation. Oh, okay. So Tell everything me. worked for, you know, for the good. Well, actually I was working and I met, well, more, no, let me back it up. My girlfriend was dating the cameraman. And one day they invited all of us, some of her friends to go to Gladstones and his friends from one of the shows and, there was a stuntman in the group and he was talking about stunts. I was like, oh, maybe, whatever. But it didn't really cross my mind. And then um, the next thing I do, I met um, somebody else I met. Three, it was three people. Oh, and then I started working for probation and I got a promotion. And I was telling this um, one guy, I was thinking about being a stunt woman. He was like, really? I was like, yeah. And his best friend just happened to be one of the top black stunt coordinators who's training his son. So, it was just a fluke because I thought he was playing, but yeah, I started training with him. And now his son is Samuel Jackson's main stunt double. And, you know, he's doing exceptionally well. So I trained with them for many years. And then one day when the girls asked me, did I have my screen actress girl car? And I said, yes, I didn't really tell anybody I had it. But what I did was when I was, when I stopped working, I just went on honorary withdrawal and, you know, kept my dues and everything up to par. So I already have my card because you definitely need your screen actress girl card. Your That's right. That's right. So I just activated and the girl called me and said, do you have your card? I said, yes. And my first job was on the heat of the nine in Atlanta for a week. I had the opportunity to go work on location in Atlanta. And I think it was just a whole new experience because I didn't know anything about the entertainment industry because they like pick you up with a limousine, you fly first class, you get <laughs> they give you everything. So I was really green. It was really my first job. I had no idea what I was doing, um, uh, but it was an easy job. 
but I was still green. I didn't really know too much about the business. But after that, I was like, oh, maybe I could do this. So I took it a little bit more seriously. And I said, well, I'll just do a little baby stuff. Then I started noticing some of the other young ladies from other ethnicities. I felt that they weren't as talented as I was. So I was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. All so right, now. I started, you know, working a little harder. But I would watch how they would do something. I'll let them be the guinea pigs first. And then I'll try it later once I figure out, okay, this happened, how am I going to bail out? This is what I need to do. Because from a gymnast standpoint, you're always trying to figure out how you can bail out or something. Right. So you already had that background in, in, inside of you. Tell right. us what Tell us what that first job was like for you. It was overwhelming for the most part, and I was just so excited because I didn't know what to expect. You know, to go to a production office and tell me there I need to come pick up a ticket, and I don't know anything about it, and I'm flying. You don't, you never have your first job on location for a weekend. I was there for four days, maybe yeah, four days before I even went on the set. Right. right. So it was very interesting. I I like the whole idea. And I'm spoiled now, right? Flying first class. <laughs> and <laughs> getting like, in those limousines. Yeah, what am I doing in coach? I need right? first class. Hi. Where's so, my ticket? Yeah. So it, it was exciting. I love the entertainment industry. Right now, my focus is on stunt coordinating. Okay. Um, um, because now they want the young girls. Because I've been doing stunts, believe it or not, 28 years. Oh, God. God so, bless you. You know, um, I was in the entertainment industry, so I, I understand a lot of what you're speaking. So I speak that language. So mm-hmm. I get exactly what you're saying. I just wanted you to tell our audience what was it like for you. I'm sure you said you were excited. You didn't know that you were going to be picked up in a limousine. Sometimes you have your own trailer. I mean, mm-hmm. so that's a wonderful experience for you. And I'm so happy that you had that in you to go there and do the job and get it done and then realize because a lot of people don't realize, you know, what their gift is, even when it hits them in the face. So you well, picked it, it up. Everyone's hungry. So, but let's be real. I had another job. Right. So therefore I can go back and forth between each one, which direction the one was, gets, I would get upset with that one or it was some type of challenge. I'll focus on that. So I had the opportunity because working a boys camp, I only worked two and a half days. I lived there. Okay. So I had four and a half days, and that's what kept me there. And when I probably should have left a long time ago, so I could really dive delve into the entertainment industry like I should have. Right. But I'm truly blessed that I was able to both, because now I have um, retirement for both and medical for both. Well, you better so go just, ahead with your bad self. <laughs> in that regard. So that's pretty much how it worked out for me. Although I didn't work as much as I could have, because I was trying to like maneuver between both. Okay. But I've done well. I can't even say, but I've done well for myself in stunts. And I think one of my claims, the things that I'm really excited about being the first African-American stunt woman to stunt coordinate a big budget project, which was introduced in Dorothy Dandridge, which is years ago. Right. Oh, oh, at- oh. Let's, let's digress. I don't want you to give it all the way just yet. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, okay. No, it's okay. So let me ask you this. What were some of the challenges for you as a woman of color going into this field? Well, you know. <laughs> with anything being African-American, there is always challenges. Right. And if you're aggressive and you're educated, there is always going to be a problem because it seems like you aren't supposed to be that. And sometimes people think that you are not deserving of certain things. It's that triple threat thing. Well, I, whatever they want to call it. Right. You know, but my thing is I've been one of those humble people, but I just... I really don't do well 
with people who are unfair and I really don't tolerate any form of discrimination. That's where I fall into trouble. Okay. Because I don't know how to really humble myself in that area because it's very difficult for me for, to not for, to understand why people feel that they're more than who I am. That's right. Right on, girl. I understand that. We find that in all fields, you know, being people of color and we excel when that happens to us. We excel even more. That gives us energy. That gives us, you know, power to just go out there and prove ourselves even more so. And well, you're right about that. And, and that's where they get in trouble. <laughs> that's when motivated. they get in trouble. Of course we get motivated. We get motivated to say, okay, watch us work or watch me work because you're not going to share with me that I can't do something that I know anybody can do. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. So yeah. I totally get that. I mean, even in my world, the same thing. I mean, I'm the only African-American pretty much in my industry mm -hmm. right now where I am in my um, market. Right. And I felt that way several times, but I never let that get in my head. I always thought, okay, well, watch me work. And, well, and, and they did. <laughs> it, you know, it, I can't say it didn't get in my head because it definitely did because of I'm course. not the one who let stuff go. Right. But I will keep moving because I have this drive like to prove people wrong, especially in this particular situation. Okay. Because it really disturbs me just in general how society is and how things do happen for African-American people. And of course, I mean, we don't know of, and I, I'm pretty worldly myself, I don't know of many or pretty much I could say any African-American stunt woman. You're my first. So apparently me being the worldly person I am, I don't know that. And I've been in the industry or I was in the industry a good decade and never well, came across one. There's a lot one. of people. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are, you would, I wouldn't consider you not worldly. There's a lot of people saying, I've never met a black stunt woman before. All yeah, the time. of All course. The time. You hear that, right? It's just something you don't think about. People don't think about stunt people in general. You know, there's no Oscar Academy for stunt people in general. These are people who bring audience to the, to the movies. Well, there you go. That's the next idea. <laughs> that would be the next challenge right there. Bringing them, mm -hmm. you know, bringing that to the forefront. So let me ask you this. Um, how did your family you know, i.e. your parents, um, feel about your career? Were they fearful of it, being a stunt woman? Or were well, they fearful of you being a stunt woman? My mother had always let me do anything I wanted. She didn't really prevent me from doing it until I got hurt. And when I got hurt, that's when she was like, I just had some issues with it. Of course. You know, besides that, I don't remember. I think I went through life just doing stuff, not paying attention. Now I'm paying more attention to everything that I do in life. Because I really, this is really bad. This is why I started the nonprofit. I didn't have any goals. I just did things because I wanted to do them without any direction. I just made stuff happen. At the end, it just happened for me because I just kept going and going and going. But now it's important that you have goals and you stay focused so you can accomplish your mission a little bit more quicker. And you should know what direction you're going in. Fantastic. Well said also. So was there ever a breakdown before the breakthrough to your success? I've had many breakdowns within the success. <laughs> <laughs> well, share one with us. How's that? Well, um, I don't know if you, I might be jumping forward, just doing the Action Icon Awards, the Stunt Women's Awards show. Those are challenges that I felt that I had because I stepped out of my comfort zone and out of my 
circle and created something that no one else had done as an African-American stunt woman, which is a stunt was a award show, okay. which I thought would be beneficial for the whole community because it's not, it wasn't black. It was just basically for every, because we only have a few weeks at the time when I did it because I completed it or created it. It was in 19, let me see, when did we start? This year, next year be 11 years that I've had the Action Icon Stunt Women's Award show. Okay. That I okay. So no one was really doing that at the time. And I think, again, when you create something that maybe other people think they should have done or you shouldn't, it creates animosity. And yes, it does. Challenge. And sometimes they are not aware that it's a problem. It's almost like they're either jealous or they're envious or they're upset that you did and they didn't do it. And they're not consciously aware. They just kind of like have some issues that you were doing something. Wow. And you made it happen. I made it happen. I mean, I've had people come on board. I did have some strong supporters that backed me that were in the industry. Uh, and I just kept moving till I made it like, this is it. After like seven years, it's like, and I had all these top celebrities coming. So it was just like LaFay's doing this show. Okay. <laughs> I love it that you keep saying, I just kept moving. Because you know, that's what Martin said. Just keep moving. And I that's what, yeah, you got to keep moving. But you do have some downfalls, don't you? I mean, I mean, I've cried many days, wanting everybody to be on my team, accept me for what I'm doing. It's a betterment for the whole community. I mean, it's it's, it's been one thing after another. And there's some people who prefer that I not really say what I'm saying about how things really roll. Not with just stuff, this happens a lot with a lot of people. When you step out of a zone that everyone's comfortable with and you do something different. So... I'm the type of person, I'm always trying to be a trailblazer. I got issues with being a trailblazer, but that's just me. I don't I'm think they're issues. Well, I just no, think I mean, it's being being thing. empowered. Okay, I love this power. Sounds good. But <laughs> I like to do things that other people haven't done and try to think outside the box. I always right. try to think outside the box ahead of time. Okay, what if we did it this way? What about this? You know, I remember back in the day, and I was young, and I was doing situational greeting cards. Nobody was doing situational green cards. I went to Oz and I was like, do I have these cards? They said, we don't do situational cards. We just do traditional cards. Nobody's doing, I want to say at least about four years later, everybody was doing all these different cards and Oz was including them into their cachet. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, this is interesting. So I'm always thinking ahead. That's just me. That's fantastic. <laughs> and you, I'm sure you inspire people with that all around you. And I think you're just, you know, from what you're telling me, you just are a very empowered person. And you go with what, what comes to your head. It's what you want to do. And stepping out of your comfort zone, you know, I, don't, I can't find any better way to figure out who I am and, and do what I feel as though is the right thing to do. And sometimes you have to do things that make you uncomfortable for people to look up and say, oh, okay, I get this now. So I congratulate you for that. Well, thank you very much. Like I said, I just do things. I don't know what I'm doing. It just happens in the end, whatever. But now I've been paying more attention to what I do, how I do it, and even how I execute and engage in conversation with people. And that's what we're talking about, from execution to excellence. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so um, you, this is very interesting, everything that you're telling me. And I love here. I'm I love these stories. I love speaking to people and hearing their journeys because to me, it's very empowering. And for our audience, it inspires them, especially our audience of African-Americans too, because like I said, how many stunt women, African-American stunt women do you know? <laughs> so what was it like working 
this is what I really want to know. What was it like working with Halle Berry as a stunt coordinator in Dorothy Dandridge? Oh, I love her. She was very interesting because what she focused on, she wanted to make sure that she had all females in key positions. That was a plus because at that time that really did not happen. So she was um, one of the executive producers on the show. She wanted to make sure. And so that's how I kind of was able to get on board. And my stunt partner, um, he actually went in for the interview and he found that she wanted a woman in that position and he referred me for that job. So I went in prepared. I had storyboards. I did everything that I could to go in. I was still a baby at that time. Right. Trying to you know, bust into the stunt coordinating events, but I really wanted to do it. So I went in and then I was spoke with the director, which was Mar- Martha Coolidge. And, um, for, and you know, fortunately, I was able to get the job. It was really great. She was really nice, humble. I have nothing but positive, you know, experience, a positive experience with her. It was wonderful working with Holly. You know, if I see her now in the street, I can engage in conversation and she'll come and give me a hug. She was really cool. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what was it like getting that phone call? Well, when I went into the interview, you know, I seemed pretty confident because he had referred me. And I think just working on the set, I guess just going to the set on the time, it was, you know, it was just routine from until the premiere came and I saw my name in the credits and all that as a stunt coordinator. That's when, <laughs> okay. when it kind of like hits you. Okay, you did this. But one of my girlfriends years later, she said, do you know that you're the first African-American stunt woman to ever coordinate a big budget project and you're not capitalizing on that? Wow. I never thought about it. I didn't think about it. So now I try to talk about it, you know, being the first African-American someone. I could have really capitalized on it back then, but I didn't. Now I'm really trying to bust the bear, especially with diversity happening now mm-hmm. and trying to try to at least break into it now. But we have so many talented African-American stunt women that are out now. Because the doors have opened a little bit more compared to what it was when I was first in the industry. Well, you have, um, um, from what you're telling me, it seems like you opened those floodgates. Well, I hear that from some people, you know, some of the young girls coming in, you're trailblazed, you my role model. And I'm more of the humble type person. It's hard for me to accept compliments, and I'm working on that. Um, it's almost like even going on the set I never really took pictures with the actors and any of that this is that wasn't that important and now I see if I want to write a book right I don't have really any photos but I think being raised in Los Angeles how can I say you're just not that it, some people come here they're starstruck that right that wasn't me and I'm not putting anything down and just I love the individuals who I work with I just never want to again be in their company where I'm just bugging them for a photo yeah, it's like New Yorkers. We're pretty much immune to seeing everyone walking down the street, having dinner next to you. Um, well, I can say I was starstruck one time because I loved Tracy Chapman. <laughs> she sat down oh, next okay. to me. She sat down next to me at dinner in New York City. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, you know, I was a very young girl at the time. And mm-hmm. I just loved her music. So I, I get that because when you're in L.A., you're liable to see anybody walking down the street, you know, or sitting next to you in a restaurant having dinner. And you're right. A lot of people do become starstruck. It's because, you know, they're not, they don't have access, you know, as much as the people from New York or LA. Um, So I get that. But yes, you need to capitalize on that because you are one of the first. So definitely take that on and carry your flag. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at your story. So listen, take it on and run with it. I'm focusing on it now. I'm focusing on so much now, so many things. One thing about me, I'm always able to get on a television 
or article or something that now that's what I excel in. They just find me out anywhere to do articles or talk shows. I do that all the time. Um, like right now, there's something called Hollywood Action Masters that's featured on Amazon Prime Video. There's a new book that just came out, Her Story. Hollywood Women in Movies. It starts in the 1900s until 2018. I'm in that because a big, huge table where everybody's in. I'm so blessed and late to be a part of that. I have a huge picture in that. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Congratulations. And then there was another book that came out, Hollywood Stunt Women, Dante's Story. That was in 2017. That was the book. I'm all in that book. So I'm really making history, and I think I've done Essence twice back in the day. You know, now they with the young girl. So, but anyways, I did Essence twice. You know, telling my story. So, I've been out there doing that and laying the foundation for history, so people can go back and reflect on who actually was in history, African American, that did you know actually lay the foundation and open up the doors. Fantastic. So, how did this change your career? Which part? I'm not clear. The part of becoming a stunt coordinator for Dorothy Dandridge. That was your first big feature. How did this take your career actually, trajectory after that? Where did it take I your career just trajectory? Still wanted, I, I just wanted to be stunt still. I wasn't ready for coordinating at that time. I didn't know I should have pursued it. I still wanted to hit the ground. I just love stunts. I was just so fascinated and blah, blah, blah. I didn't move forward in that direction until maybe 10 years later, to be exact. So now it's important that I understand that I have the skills and the talent to coordinate versus hitting the ground because I can't hit the ground like I used. I'm not willing to do the same things that I did before, especially after I got hurt. Okay. I had to really direct my thoughts and figure out what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. So what happened when you got hurt? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, this was a, this was a I started stunts in 1989 and then I was working on a, a music video, Ready or Not, in 1996. And actually, I was doing a motorcycle jump. I had a bike that was exactly like the bike that I own. And I was in a canyon, and on the canyon, there's a drop on each side. So they added a smoke machine. Now, I guess there was a smoke machine there each time, but the third time, there's a wall of smoke that we did not know a smoke machine was added. So you're on a bike, so there's dust already. So when I came up the hill, there was a wall of smoke and I couldn't see where I was. I couldn't see anything. Normally they may have like a white tape that guides you on to the ramp, but it was a small ramp, nothing big. But anyways, I came up, I couldn't see where I was going. I wasn't able to ramp my bike up and my chin hit the speedometer and I broke both. Oh, now I have three screws on the side of my jaw and I played in my chin. However, that did not stop me. I was off of work for nine months, but I said, I got to get back to work because I was on the injury reserve and I got to reclaim my spot. So I went out, bought me another bike. And my mom, at that point, after I got hurt, she was like done. She didn't really want me to stunt. So yeah, that's what happened. Wow. Broke two jaw, both jaws and yep. your, and your chin. Yep. Wow. And yeah. guess what? After all of that, they were so impressed i think i was only in hospital like four days they couldn't understand it. I said, I four couldn't. days <laughs> yeah i had like 10 hours reconstructive surgery and mostly everything was my mouth my teeth were hanging everywhere just everywhere i couldn't uh. close every, you know and you and yeah, you have such a beautiful smile well my smile was pretty good no. before this one <laughs> wait a minute my mother's crossed over now and she constantly reminded me she liked my other no. smile <laughs> yeah but um for the most part, yeah, that's kind of what happened. But 
at the time, I just happened to be, I'm giving a shout out to Dr. Dorfman. I was going to him before he was getting okay. stars. <laughs> and he kind of like put my teeth back together. Like I said, this was way before he was where he is now. Oh, great, great. Shout out to you, doctor, because she has a beautiful smile. She still does. I didn't see it before, but it's pretty here. So let me ask you this. What is it like being called on to be a stunt double for some of the most talented and amazing women in Hollywood, such as Alfred Woodard, my favorites, Loretta Devine, Angela Bassett, and Regina, both Reginas, Regina King and Hall. Yes. I'm just, it's just exciting working with them. I, you know, never really try to. They told you don't talk to the don't talk to the actors, don't talk to the producers or any of that. When I got into the business, so I kind of like had my mind frame like that. But as time went on, you do have to talk to them about how the stunt is done, are completed, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, I talk to them just like regular people. They're just, you know, just I don't. I mean, they're just. They're good people. I just kind of like talk to them. I didn't, you know. And when you're when you're stunt doubling, what what goes into that? I mean, is it the action moves that they're making? You step in and you take that over. Well, what you try to do is mimic their movement um, for the most part, because you have to remember you are doubling them, and we come in with the same clothing on, the same hair, and a lot of times, or most of the times, they're shooting from behind us, so you don't know that we're doubling because there's cuts. And they come back and intertwine their faces and everything. They may, I may do a jump and fall to the ground. So after I complete the stunt, they may come in and lay in the same position where I landed or wherever they landed at first. And actually, I'm the one actually the stunt. Right. Okay. So tell us about, you started talking to us about um, the Action Icon Stunt Women's Award. Tell <laughs> us a little more about that. Well, I thought since no one's recognizing women in general or the stunt people at all at this time that I would create the Action Icon Stunt Women's Awards. Originally, it was called the Diamond and Raw Stunt Women's Awards because I was having it benefit this nonprofit called Diamond and the Raw. But I just thought that <clears throat> we need to be recognized because we are the unsung heroes in the entertainment business and we place our lives on the line and so many women that, you know, get hurt. And in my career, we just don't talk about when we get hurt. We just keep moving. And we come home, we put some article on and get ready for the next gig. Because that's part of who we are and what we do. Even gymnastics, same thing. You, as after you get hurt, you try to figure out, okay, let me put some on and keep moving. Because you don't want people to really know you get, you're hurt. You may right. not do a job if you're hurt or whatever. So we still want to generate. Okay. So let me ask you this. Who is your Shiro? Who is my Shiro? Hmm. That's a good question. Are you speaking in terms of stunts? Are you speaking in terms in general? I'm speaking in terms of, how about let's say both. My Shiro is Susan Taylor. I've always admired and loved her for what she's created. I, I don't know. It's just something about her I always really loved. As far as stunts, I have and a And tell lot. us who she- Tell us who Susan Taylor is. She, Susan Taylor is the editor, the chief editor of Essence Magazine at the time. Oh, so, okay. Suzanne Taylor. Got it. Got it. Okay. For stunts, I probably have Benny, all the young ladies who started before me, but there's one who gave me my first gig, which is her name is um, Sharon Schaefer. And then there's J.D. David. There's tons of stunt girls before me, ladies, 
um, Kim Washington. There's one, I never met her, but she died early on. Her name is Peaches Jones. She was an amazing stunt woman. So wow. that's one because she's extremely talented. Those are some of the people I can think of. But for the most, I've learned a lot from all the stunt women that were before me. Great. You, there's a very interesting quote I read. Um, I'm not sure if it's your quote or if it's someone else, but you'll let us know that. And it's, it read, quote, the more you know is the more you owe. Um, that's not my quote, but I te- definitely believe that. The more that you study, the more that you owe. Ex- you know, explain that to us a little bit more. Okay. The more that you study, say the quote one more time. The more you know is the more you owe. Oh, well, the more you know, it's important that you pass that information on to other people so they, you can educate them so they can reach their pinnacle of success. And if you're sharing, that's something that you're giving back and making sure you're passing information to help other people in the community know about the opportunities that are out there. You're also using yourself as a role model because you're displaying a model for them because a lot of times people don't know certain directions, but if you can lead by example, it's important that you give back and educate other individuals that it's possible also. Because if they don't see it, they don't know it. That's great. And that's true. It's like passing the baton. You have to pass that baton back. Hopefully they're running fast enough to get it. (laughs) And I feel in our community, that's essential. And we we need more people actually doing that. That's like having the nonprofit. I noticed that there weren't that many African-American people working behind the scene. And I thought it was important that I educate these young girls, bringing guest speakers that look like them to educate them about the careers behind the scene. And that way, if they have a go to attend college, pretty much they can major in whatever they love, but they can minor in filmmaking, communications or any of that. And whatever they major in, they can apply it after the entertainment industry in production. I'm more so about production because those jobs are jobs that you work more often than a Jennifer Lopez or Angela Bassett. There's going to be so many of those, but you can work continuously if you're in some form of production or a crew member. So I try to educate them about those and take them on field trips so they can see people. That's great. I hope you guys are listening to that. If you ever want to go into the entertainment industry, or, you know, she's saying think about production because that'll keep you working and keep you having a check in your pocket. So LeFay, you have worked with, you have worked on over 130 shows combined in TV and film and very big feature films like Training Days, What's Love Got to Do With It? And um, one of my favorites, Hannibal, because I'm like a horror film person. <laughs> What's next for LeFay? Well, right now, like I'm reaching out to Producers is trying to move forward with the next level of stunt coordinating, especially with diversity happening now. Um, it's very hard for me because I'm not a networking person and I need to learn how to network a little bit more and pitch. So now that's what my focus is. And that's why I also teach the young girls about pitching and networking, living an everlasting impression, because that's an area that I fell short in because I didn't really stay connected with individuals. And I just think that is so important, not only with stunts, any job that you have, networking, hustling. You know, one of my, what I don't call it issue, but I don't drink, smoke, or get high. So 
when you're networking, you're drinking and you're doing all these type of things, it's just a form of socializing, you know, whatever. But I don't really do that. So sometimes I get lost in the shuffle because I'm not really interested in that. And that interferes with me kind of like networking. So in the entertainment industry, you're saying that a lot of people, when they socialize, of course, people drink and smoke and, and whatever other activities they may have. Um, no, I'm just saying socially, when you're going out to have a meeting, you may have a cocktail. Right. Um, you know, I was just saying for me, I don't engage in those type of things. So sometimes it can be uncomfortable because, you know, the, you're having a drink, you're socialized, you're trying to have a, a business deal or whatever, but that's just not me. And maybe okay. I can say that. I hope nobody take it the wrong way. It's just a preference that I've chosen. I have nothing against people who, what they do. It's just like, for me, that's just something I don't do. My story is this. My parents owned a bar. I saw people get drunk all the time. I said <laughs> I would never drink ever in life. So that's what my story is for the drinking and, and being an athlete. You know, it's funny. My parents owned bars and nightclubs as I was growing up. And, um, uh-huh. I drank, I drank cocktails here and there, you know, never mm-hmm. to, to get drunk falling down in the street. Right. And right. recently I lost a, a really good friend of mine about four months ago. And not that I had any issue, I stopped drinking and stopped having cocktails. And it's it's been really interesting because it's when I'm out with friends, I look at them when they're drinking and I go, wow, you know, they're, they're definitely having fun. And it definitely puts you in a different headspace. Right. But I don't miss it I don't think about it um it doesn't make me feel like oh my god I have to drink or I should have a drink so it's very it's just very interesting not to drink and be in the same space you're abnormal (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm abnormal I I don't know if that's the word I think it's just I don't think about it I you know I don't think about it I, I don't think about them having a drink and if they're changing or anything but I do observe so yeah I, I get what you're saying. I don't feel like, oh, I don't fit in or anything anymore, but um, I feel very comfortable in my own skin and I'm still able to network and have conversations and laugh. And sometimes when I go home, I go, wow, I didn't have a drink. It's been four months. It's great. So oh, I, just, I just feel uncomfortable <laughs> in general because I'm noticing people and they have a girlfriend and always say, do you try to be a social drinker? stuff in my system I don't want to <laughs> whatever I'm a strong believer but like I said whatever they do I mean it is what it is I just the networking thing was very difficult for me in general right. not that was just one component I'm not one to just go in somebody's face oh hey blah 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 but I'm learning and I think it's important yeah that I educate kids this is how the business is it's about networking establishing relationships and they need to learn it no, you're absolutely right. They do need to learn how to network and establish relationships because everything is about relationship building. And I feel that's something that I did not have because my parents weren't those individuals. Right. They weren't networking. They were all about business and that was it and whatever. They never really socialized. They weren't with the Jack and Jill's. They weren't with the Lynx. They weren't with any of that. My mother didn't participate in anything as far as working as an educator. And she was with LA Unified School District. So I didn't really learn that. Most people will learn that earlier because their parents were social events, their activities here, they're everywhere. We, we didn't have that growing up. Okay. My parents were strict, um, very strict. I had a curfew when I was 25. I had to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate it. You know, I really appreciate it. They've done well for themselves. And I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. That's much what I can say with the two jobs, you know, and then, you know, with my what my parents have done in their lives. 
Yeah, and of course it has laid a foundation, you know, listening to you this whole time. I mean, you seem like you have your head on straight. You've been doing this business for quite some time and has taken you to places you never thought you would go. And um, you're giving back. And that's what's important. And that's why we call this from execution to excellence. You have executed everything in your brain, it sounds like, and still (laughs) and still putting things out there and also realizing how important it is to give back to the community and understand, you know, with this quote, whether it's yours or where you, whomever you picked it up from, the more you know is the more you owe. And trust me, I will be using that because I think it's a fantastic quote. Um, hopefully I can find out who quoted it so I can give credit to it. But um, I, I think that says a lot about you. And when I read that, I went, wow, this is really important to to have a conversation about you threw me off for a minute i was like what is she talking about (laughs) (laughs) i was like she didn't prepare me for this one i was like i started rambling off i was like wait a minute repeat that again so i can make sure i understand what you were saying that's okay but it's a wonderful quote it was in writing and i saw it and i stood right out and i said wow this is great because I always speak about giving back to the community, even with this podcast. This podcast is to give back to the community and let them know there's different careers out here and career paths that you can take that you haven't even thought about. You know, and a lot of people are thinking about the investing and the real estate. And I mean, that's like right out there in the forefront right now for young African-Americans and they're getting into it. But then some of them are getting into it and not realizing how much work there is involved in that. It's a 24-hour job, you know, and me taking on something else, whether it's entertainment, podcasting, um, investing, that is in addition to the work. So, you know, when you have young people out there, some of them are very confused. You know, I remember a time my nephew came to me at 21, 22 and said, you know, I'm very confused, Aunt Jane. I don't know what to do. These are the conversations you have to have with them. You know, and these are the things that we have to put out there for them and say, you know, you need to go and listen to this podcast. There's several information blocks out there now that they can go and grab and listen to and hopefully get some direction if they don't have that foundation. So it's a a wonderful thing. One of my pet peeves is just educating our kids about the careers. It's very important to me because I just really got tired of being on the set. And then telling me to go to the um, extra line because they don't know that I'm a part of, you know, being a day player because they assume that I'm black. I'm an extra because they don't know. And there's not that many African-Americans working on the set. So I'm really a believer in trying to change the imbalance of gender behind the scene by educating the kid, young girls about careers. And that's why I have guest speakers that come in from executives, production people come in so they can see and take them on field trips so they can see. It actually and feel it. Even for the award show, I bring the winner up like she's a celebrity, walks the red carpet, given the award, just like every other person that has received an honor there. So they are being recognized in the booklet, everything, because I want them to feel the whole ambiance of what could be from every component of filmmaking. And even for them to shoot their own movie, because that's what they're doing. Next, next weekend, they're shooting their own short movie. So that's important to me. So yeah, I'm all about community and helping speaking to kids at career days whatever I can do to give back because I was someone who did not have those opportunities I learned as I went and I think it'd be easier if they have role models that can show them direction sponsors that can just guide them wherever they need to go so that's my purpose 
maybe that's my purpose in life. I don't know, but you know, I just love giving back. But at some point, I also have to focus on where I'm going with my life. Additionally, well, you seem very intentional, and that's what counts with yeah, your purpose. I... You seem very, very intentional. So let me ask you this: Take us through a day in the life of Lafay Baker. Walk us through that. Well, my day right now is so consumed with Diamond in the Raw. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And Diamond and a Raw is you said <laughs> Diamond and a Raw. That's not the action. Um, no. Uh-uh. OK, Diamond, Diamond and Raw is the foundation. the foundation. That's what I was yeah. going to ask you about. OK. Yeah. So take us through a day in life of um, LaFay Baker and then we'll get to Diamond and a Raw. Well, actually, I get up in the morning. Of course, I listen to Joan Osteen. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I have to listen to him to get started. Then I kind of like try to reflect and get up and try to get my mind clear. And after that. I start thinking about all the things I did with Diamond and Rock because our summer program is going on right now. And this year, actually, we have new facilitators that are working. So there's a lot of components that come with that. I do that. And then I start um, getting up in the morning, whatever I have on my agenda as far as activities to get out. And then the program starts like at 1230. So I have a short window of time to make sure that's there with the kids. And I go there from 12 to 5 working with them. We have the leadership component. That's when the guest speakers come in. And on Wednesday, they actually work on their short movie and putting that together because we're crewing up and all of that and getting the locations and all that together. And the kids actually throw their ideas and write the script and all of that. So that's my day. And then after that, I recently had the nerve to join us right. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Which is Delta Sigma Theta. Um, so we're incorporated. So I, some of my time has been consumed with that. So just trying to be a great sister and sisterhood with Deltas. And, and, that, and then that's pretty much what my life is. And I come home and I try to give me some rest. Okay. So let's go back. Let's talk about, yeah, share with us about your nonprofit Diamond in the Raw Foundation. Well, Diamond and Raw is a nonprofit 501c3 that's devoted to empowering and transforming the lives of foster care and at-risk teen girls through the arts. And like I indicated before, it's important that I provide them with directions of these other opportunities that could possibly create generational wealth. Because there's so much money that can be made in entertainment if you study the craft, establish relationships, and also meet the right people. And by me just taking them to um, um, field trips and stuff like that nature and bringing guests because they really learn the possibilities. Okay. And these at-risk teens, when you say at-risk, as far as? Well, at-risk, let me just be clear. Foster care are the kids who actually really need the help direction because you really need to help them because they've been circulating from one place to another but at risk can mean anybody at risk inner city underserved communities there's a lot of people i can say some of the african-american kids from single parents are at, okay. at risk so at risk to me covers a lot yes it does and that's why i wanted you to explain at risk you know did it was it one group or it's i hear from what you're telling me it's several groups well, that's fantastic. That is so, so good. And if they want to know more about the, um, and the we foundation, do. it's <laughs> www, 
DiamondandRaw.com, R-A-W. Some people want to call it Diamond and Rough, but it's raw because the girls are in the raw just waiting to be developed into this precious stuff. Oh, okay. But that's kind of like how I came up with that. I loved it, and I did polishing them and getting them ready, hey, to be a this So they diamond. can shine brightly. Oh, shine fantastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what advice would you give to young women wanting to pursue this career? My first thing is I have this thing about education. That's just me, and I know nowadays people saying kids shouldn't go to school. But I think you need to have your education, study, learn your craft. I have three things, three Ds in life, dedication, discipline, determination. That's very important. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. But if you want it, believe it, achieve it, and you can conceive it. Those are things that are very important, and you have to really believe it. I think affirmations help you stay focused. And circle yourself around positive people or individuals who you want to be like or people who are doing things that you want to achieve. Fantastic. So you're saying projecting yourself what you see in others that are successful. Yeah. All right. So if there was one question you would have people ask themselves on a daily basis, what would that be? Hmm. Where? Let me think about that one. Okay. Maybe where do you see yourself in five years? Or who who are you? What do you really want to be in life? Because that takes some time. I think that question, I should have, you should have asked me that before this <laughs> interview so I can. That's a hard one. You answered it. I don't know if I answered it correctly because you're throwing these questions. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's asking me because you know, I'm the type of person I have to know what it is. What I'm going to say. Hopefully, I'm doing okay. You're doing interview. very well. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're funny. You're doing very well. If you want to, <laughs> I, I can say to okay. you, um, you pretty much answered that question throughout the interview. So, yes, you're doing very well. And I'm so happy to have had you on this interview. You've been lovely to talk to, uh, very funny. um, And it's really been a pleasure. And I'm going to tell you, I have to say, you definitely epitomize our show from execution to excellence because you have done everything you've ever wanted to do, it seems like, and still, in your words, moving. Yeah, because I feel that I got to keep going because I haven't reached where I want to be yet. Every But all my friends, do you know who you are? Do you know what you established? I guess I don't look backward. I'm always looking forward, but I do need to stop for a minute and smell what is happening. Okay. I <laughs> so I, I'm sure you'll figure that out. And um, when people say that to you, I, I think it's a good thing that you are humble and that you're realizing what you have to offer to the world now. Because if you did then, it probably wouldn't be so special to you as it is now. And timing is everything. I really believe that. I feel like I'm just now reaching to a point where I'm seeing whatever I've accomplished and accepting it instead of constantly moving, moving, moving. I realize I've had so many people just tell me that they admire me, I inspire them. I'm like, really, you? What What do you mean by that? But now I don't question it. I just say thank you because before I really would, you know, question like, what are you talking about? But, you know, that's because I'm so humble. I, you know, and I'm trying to work on just basically saying thank you, appreciate it, and keep going. 
Well, I know when people meet you, your pleasure, because you've been a very, very pleasurable interview. And um, I think you're really funny because it's, you, when you talk to me, you, I can feel you being in your head talking to me. So it's really cute. But thank you so much. And um, I wish you all the luck. Is there anything you want to share with the audience before you leave? Where they can find you? Um, um, if they have any questions for you, can they inbox you? Oh, yeah, they can inbox me at info at diamondandraw.com, info at diamondandraw.com, or stunts at gmail.com. And are you on Instagram? I probably am. I think it's Baker Lafay. I'm trying to, like, get social media savvy. One day I'm, I'm working on it. Thank <laughs> you. But I am, I am working on the um, 2020 Action Icon Awards slated for March 2020. And I don't know if I could do a shout out. We always look for sponsors. Okay. <laughs> for the award show. You know, we always have a lot of different celebrities. In the past, we had Charlie Sheen and a couple of people. Gabby Dell was at the award show. I've had a lot of people. They go to our website. You know, I'll give you more information about that. Or type in, in YouTube, the Action Icon Awards. I'll give you a lot of information about what I've done with the award show and the stunt coordinating conference. So, yeah, that's Well, we'll that. make sure we yeah. put that in our show notes for you. Thank you so much for oh, having me on thank you. And show. I hope to get to meet you when I come out there to see Mia this year. Just come on up there. Come come, call me. I'm always I available. Sure you know, I'm living here. Have a plenty of room. So take care. Thank you very much. And good luck and with the show. And thank you. And you have a great, great weekend. I hope you guys have enjoyed our show with Miss LaFay Baker, Queen of Stunts. Listen, rate, and review our show. And you can also follow me on Instagram at janebond underscore underscore underscore. We look forward to seeing you next week with another special guest from execution to excellence.